Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Today, I've invited the group of researchers that I chat with on UFO Twitter to come speak to me in the dojo. Um, United together, they converse behind the scenes about research, UFOs, remote viewing, consciousness, and so much more. Today, so far, we have Matt and Jenny here to talk with me in the dojo, and I thought to change things up a little bit, I would let them introduce themselves. So, Matt, can you please say briefly who you are? Hi, uh, my name is Matt, and I go by Matt Monroe, 1980, on on Twitter, and um, I, I got into this field whenever, because whenever I was... 17 years old i uh i witnessed some um unknown uh black triangles that were hovering over my house Mm -hmm. doing weird formations and moving in ways that a normal um plane doesn't typically move and uh you know i've got a background in chemistry Mm -hmm. and so since that that experience it was it's always been in the back of my mind um but whenever i the wikileaks um stuff came out about tom delong i sort of looked at the 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 credibility of some of the scientists and um military people behind Tom DeLong, and um, I was like, "That there's something, there's something going on," and so I started doing research, and uh, with with my research on through uh, some government stuff, it, it intrigued me even more. That got me uh, to research consciousness because that was a, a something that was allegedly tied to the phenomenon. So once I started looking at consciousness, unidentified aerial phenomena that military fighter pilots have witnessed, I really became intrigued. Well, we can tell by the very large collection of books behind you, much bigger than my collection, which although all of those have books, all those containers have books, still bigger. <laughs> so Jenny, Jenny is also here. Jenny, can you please um, briefly uh, introduce yourself to the people who are listening? I'm Jenny and uh, I come into the field when I was much younger. At- 35 plus years ago. Um, I grew up in rural Kansas, but my family moved to Las Vegas to, I went to high school in Las Vegas. And uh, at that time in the late eighties, area 51 wasn't known publicly, but it was known to a lot of, you know, people that lived in Las Vegas. So for fun, me and my friends would drive around the mountains and try to look for it. And we found it one time and that, that was it, that we, we, we laid eyes on it. And then, you know, it was one of those life-changing moments where you're like, Hmm. And then a few 
months later, Bob Lazar's story came out on the news and that sparked my interest. But I've always been interested in it since then. Recently, I be signed up to become a MUFON investigator for the south part of Texas. So that's pretty exciting. It and is exciting. I, yeah, I met some really interesting people, had some amazing conversations, gone to uh, several conventions so far. I've met all these wonderful people through UFO Twitter and and Matt. I, <laughs> Matt's, Matt kind of pulled me into this whole fold. It, it's just a weird uh, set of synchronicities that happened ever since I've, I've ran into Matt. So, yeah. So Matt's the reason why I'm here. It's why I'm sitting here. <laughs> right. And also it's, it's worth noting that Jenny is the person that DJ recently gave the shout out to for helping him <laughs> talk to um, the Navajo Rangers. He was so excited about that. <laughs> so thank you again for that, Jenny. Oh, you're so welcome. John is a wonderfully warm and, and genuinely just a friendly guy. And there's a, there's a funny story behind that, really. I met him a uh, year and a half ago at a MUFON event in Phoenix. And I recognized him immediately because I said, oh, my gosh, he's been on Ancient Aliens. And I've seen him, you know, on, on Skinwalker Ranch. And I went up to him and I said, John, it's so wonderful to meet you. And I shook his hand and I said, can I get a picture with you? And he said, sure. So I said, I'm going to save this in my phone. And now every time I watch TV and our series and I see your face, I'm going to say, that's my friend. That's my friend. <laughs> You know, and that's what I've discovered also in my experiences so far, that these people that for whatever reason, people have put like on like a pedestal or something, oh, they're yeah. just people, you know, they just want to have a conversation. Yeah. They're just as excited yeah, to talk about it. Yeah, they're just as excited to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. um, so before the show started, Matt asked me um, what conference I went to. And for those who are listening, I went to Mysteries of Space and Sky, which was a fairly small conference that I had not heard of before, but has been around for over 20 years. And I went there because Rob Swiatic was going to be there. And apparently he's been coming there every year and giving um, updates. And his wife was there also, who has been a director for MUFON. So I ran into a whole bunch of new people I had not met. And of course I was the obnoxious person going over and saying, hi, <laughs> like, and, and, and talking to them. <laughs> like there was someone who was there talking about spontaneous human combustion, which is not an area of research. And I went up and started talking to them too. And I, you know, I was like looking for the, the MUFON team of my state and all that, but they kind of slipped my trying to find them, but whatever it was, it was exciting. Um, so can you tell us about some conference experiences that you both have had? Matt, have you gone to one yet? Yes, I, I've, I've been to Contact in the Desert in 2019. And I've also been, well, it's not typically like a convention, but the Archives of the Impossible at Rice University. Both Jenny and I have been to that one. Um, but the Contact in the Desert was... Uh, I really enjoyed it because I got to meet Jacques Vallée for the first time and Russell Targ, like two, two people that I highly respect. Um, I was able to speak with Jacques Vallée at that conference. 
about my own experience um, and got to ask him, you know, my questions is what, what could these be? Um, also got to meet Peter Lavenda there who wrote the Secret Machines uh, nonfiction books. Um, and he's wrote a lot of great works. Um, but at Archives of the Impossible, um, I got to meet Diana Pasolka, and it had a synchronicity there with, um, <clears throat> like, we had a book club, UFO Twitter book club, um, Twitter space back in the day and like in February. And that's how we got her on there. And then she didn't know who I was. And then she came and sat by us and it was, got to sit next to her and Leslie Kane and Whitley Stryber and got to meet Stan, uh, Stanley Krippner was there and Jeff Kripal. It, it, the Rice University Archives of the Impossible was probably one of the highlight moments of, of conventions or conferences. It was an academic conference. It wasn't a typical convention. And I think that's the thing that I'm a, I find appealing, you know, the academic ones, the ones that mm -hmm. research has been done, even peer review might have been done, you know, like that that scrupulous look at this topic um, that's what appeals to me which is why i'm going for a second time to the ones in new york the inquiry of anomalous experiences jenny can you tell us about some conferences you've been to um, i was at the one with matt that was pretty uh to to sit and uh talk with jacques Vallée, shake his hand he's a very tall man <laughs> And I recently went to the UFO Congress out in Phoenix and um, got to listen to John Ramirez. And uh, we it was the unofficial world premiere of Moment of Contact with James Fox. James Fox was there and he's 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 so warm and friendly. He just, you know, and, and so likable and um, enjoyed enjoyed sitting and talking with him. Uh, John Dover was there giving a presentation on on skinwalkers, the skinwalker lore, um, and his his case is out on the Navajo reservation. And um, <clears throat> who else was there? Um, Randy. <laughs> and I'm sorry, to, Randy Nickerson, Randall Nickerson from Aerial Phenomenon. He was there as well. I would love to talk to him. Oh my gosh! Oh, oh. <laughs> oh he's 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 a lovely guy. He really is. He he's he's truly he's just he's just he's just a regular guy. <laughs> yeah, talk about someone who is so dedicated though. Twenty years working on oh, that movie. Yes. Wow. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, who else was there? Uh, oh. We had a costume contest. Now, I would consider this one more of like one of the fun, the fun conventions, you know, where you get to be around your friends and mm -hmm. get to, um, you know, have fun and, and, you know, have a few drinks with everybody and, you know, <laughs> chill out. And <laughs> I think I was a little jealous when I saw that during the premiere, Donnie Chang had uh, brought out a group of women in silver leotards. <laughs> 
<laughs> to, to present. And I'd heard about it. And I'm like, I've met Donnie. This doesn't surprise me. Yeah. That was the one that they did in um, at the Chinese theater, the, the theater in, in L.A., right? On Monday. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Did it again. No, there's some- the, the one at, the one at UFO Congress was so low key. It really was. It was just, yeah. it was kind of announced like a few days before, Hey, James Fox, I'm going to pre- pre- premiere my, my movie here at the Congress. And we're like, what, what's going on? <laughs> so I, and, and it, he did, he did it had some, some uh, technical difficulties for about 15 minutes of the movie, but uh, it was, it was everybody was just, there wasn't a draw, a jaw, not on the floor <laughs> right after it was it was over but it was that was pretty that was phenomenal <laughs> yeah i actually got to see it um as a pre-screen because we interviewed him on calling all beings which oh, was wow. a, a fantastic conversation um and i remember thinking this is definitely my favorite documentary so far you know it it had everything that you know we could possibly want it had the aerial view it like Mm -hmm. like had a little bit of discovery hey look how close everything is it had some tension you know with the man who who's threatening to shoot everybody yeah yeah and then of course it had entities which is often left out of this conversation still to today right people people Mm -hmm. don't want to talk about that part they they say oh, let's just look at the ufos let's say nuts and bolts let's let's ignore all of the entity discussions but i was thrilled that that was part of this documentary so um i wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that we exist on ufo twitter for a minute <laughs> <laughs> So I, I guess I'll go to you first, Matt. What would you explain to people who are not part of UFO Twitter what UFO Twitter is? What is it about? What is that? I, I believe UFO Twitter is a common special interest uh, community of people interested in ufology that come from all different backgrounds and different points and perspective points of view and perspectives of ufology it's a town hall discussion perfect example of democracy in action that allows everyone's point of view to be openly discussed and um, information to be vetted. Um, it's also it's like, yeah, it is pretty much immediate peer review on Twitter, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like people are going to be like, I'm, I'm going to find everything you just said out every single letter, and you will have my feedback. <laughs> there are some highly interested people with uh, a very high ability to research information and anything that can be argued. There's probably somebody who will argue it. But sometimes 
I believe that it can also be used to skew a narrative mm -hmm. to um, push a an agenda. Yeah. Put, mm -hmm. So you have to be very, very like raw data. It's unvetted, like a lot of it's unvetted data that the community itself has to police because it, people, people will really either buy into their own confirmation bias or um, intentionally troll it. So there has to, I believe that in my, like one of the reasons I'm on UFO Twitter is because I have an interest in the subject and I have seen some of the grifters and snake oil salesmen in ufology. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then the further I looked, I'm like, okay, uh, I don't know if I myself would buy into that. Yeah, so I think I, I, yeah, I think I feel the same way. I'm immediately feel like I back away and have an aversion to anyone who's too strong on one part of this topic, right? I'm, my style is so different. I like look at everything. You know, I don't like, I'll go down a one day rabbit hole and then I'm like on to the next, <laughs> you know, like, and then, you know, I'll provide a whole bunch of information about a whole bunch of different things. Like I just can't, I cannot just stick with one aspect. There's some that I want to believe. There's some that I'm inclined to believe, um, but I just can't just look at one thing. For instance, it's really not popular to talk about man-made UFOs. But I think that's fascinating, too. Like the Avro car that Canada and Britain and the U.S. made together in secret that is now sitting in a museum. Why did we make a flying saucer, guys? Why? Like, that's so interesting to me. So, but anywho, Jenny, what do you think of UFO Twitter? What is your perspective on that beast? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a lurker. I just hang around and just watch and, and watch people's interactions with each other you know uh it's that's to to me that that part of ufo twitter is is fascinating to me it's the human it's the interactions the interactions of people with different levels of intelligence different levels of education different backgrounds occultists ufo enthusiasts sci-fi enthusiasts um you know uh the consciousness, people that are into the consciousness aspect of it, people who are into the meditation part of, of the whole, the whole aspect, you know, people who are what the nuts and bolts, the scientists, and then the, the people that are into the, you know, love and light and, and um, all the woo part about it. But um, I try not to, I try not to get involved in the, in the drama at all, because that's, you feel like it's totally like, <laughs> And sometimes you don't even know you're in it till it's too late. It's like, oh crap, I can't get out. <laughs> but um, I think the most important part is to the to me. It, it seems that the the people who I follow the most 
are the people who are okay to change their mind. Like, oh, you know what? I truly believe this, but then I found this little bit of information. So, you know, now I'm pretty sure that I was wrong and now I'm going down this path. You know, remain malleable in your in your beliefs and accept that it's a, it's a changing, it, from the phenomenon is changing. And to me personally, I think it's like an initiation, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, path, it's, a it's a spiritual path for sure. You know, you, you, you're going to, and you're going to end up looking at the nuts and bolts and then looking at the woo and then the consciousness and then evolution and then history and then archaeology and then ancient civilizations and then future civilizations, time travel. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say, if you're doing it right, you do that. Right. Yes, exactly. if, you, exactly. if you're doing it right, you're going yes. to look at everything because yes. if you are one of those people who are like, this is it, it's only this. And then you don't look at anything else. You're just really closing the door on mm -hmm. basically learning about the human experience, if nothing Absolutely. else. Right. And that's so sad to me. Just like this to me, that's what I say. This is like, you're learning about humanity. When you study this topic, you're learning about our planet. You're learning about our psychology. You're learning about our our paranormal encounters, like which is clearly interacting with us. So it's part of our experience. Mm -hmm. You learn about our folklore, our history, so on and so forth. Just like all those topics you mentioned. So it, um, if I think people are doing it right, they're looking at a lot of different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, too, do not favor the drama. So I will not labor the point of what UFO Twitter <laughs> has done to people and, and how some people yeah. have been derailed. But I did want to mention, just to be clear to listeners, that I did not pick just anybody from UFO Twitter to join me today to talk about UFO Twitter. I brought people who are specifically, like I said, in a separate group working on this in a serious way. Um amongst the people of UFO Twitter. So um, the next thing I wanted to bring up was the other reason we were supposed to have this panel today, which was that lovely report that was due October 31st. What do you think, starting again with Matt, keeping the circle going, where's that report, Matt? <laughs> it is um, being vetted for public dissemination is the way I would, the way I see it. I, I have, like most people on, on UFO Twitter or in uh, certain communities that are discussing this topic, um, you hear rumors and little shady, you know, whisperings, of, but you, we don't know, honestly. I've heard that it's it that it's, it has been given to Congress, um, but the as required. But that the, that's the classified version, and then they have to vet it for the public, and I, that's all I can conjecture at the moment. Well, sadly, I've heard that Congress does not even have it yet. And I've seen it from two reliable sources, Dean Johnson and the Black Bolt, John Greenwald. 
Um, Jenny, what do you think? Why does Congress not have that report yet? I, I, I'm kind of with Matt on this one. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd like to, I would like to believe that it has some information in there that needs a little, um, some, a little bit of finesse in, you know, how to just, how are we going to disclose this? How are we going to bring this to the public? You know, as, as much as we'd like to think we're a huge community, the ufologists and people in UFO Twitter and that our, our niche of interest is pretty small compared to <laughs> the rest of the world. You know, they're, 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 they don't even know about this, this huge report. Anybody on the street, my family, you know, my friends, like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Jenny. <laughs> no, really, there's a report that's supposed to be out. Um, and, and it's going to, you know, hopefully it tells us, you know, what's going on and, and what's here, what these things are that people are seeing and experiencing because that trauma, you can't, you can't fake some of that trauma that these experiencers have felt. And so, but I don't know where it is. I wish I knew, wish we had yeah, I, I somebody could come out and make an announcement. <laughs> okay. Here's what's going on. The dog ate it. I don't care. Just, just some answer rather than just right. nothing. Well, I hate to be an alarmist, but I do feel that for those who are paying attention to the news, politicians might be a little bit more concerned about the current presidential race right now mm -hmm. than they will be about this UFO report because mm -hmm. of an announcement of a candidate throwing his hat in the ring, Donald Trump. So he has returned. He plans on trying to become president again. And as a result, I think the his statement, for instance, that he might be setting term limits on Congress um, might be freaking some politicians out a little more than whether or not we have UFOs. I think that's actually the eternal problem with this topic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always set on the back burner because yeah. they are, you know. But any, another thing that has occurred to me in one one of my more cynical moments, and maybe you can give me your thoughts on this, both of you, um, is that perhaps this report was never meant to serve us, even though it is supposed to address the human experience um, and human health effects and all those things that we were promised, but was in fact always supposed to just be a warning to adversaries that we're you know, paying attention to what they're doing. Like, and that's, that worries me. That's a cynical moment I've had where I'm like, this report was never really about us. It was never about satisfying the curiosity. Perhaps it was more intentionally saying we have sensors that look at the sky. We have sensors that look at the sea. We have sensors that are paying attention in space. So I don't know. I'm just having a moment. <laughs> of cynicism all around right now. So what do you think, Matt? Well, I think exploitation of uh, technology was mentioned in um, some of the congressional um, or the, the intelligence, DNI um, exploitation of, of the stuff was part um, but I don't, I believe that it was to help 
get reporting for near misses and unknown things that people wouldn't tell their commanding officer about because they'd be afraid that they would be grounded by the flight surgeon or seeing something that wasn't there or something that's so odd that they couldn't uh, say it. I find that so baffling that we would ever have a system where we were not reporting something being around our ships or our planes or our military or our bases or our nukes. Like, why would we ever have a system in place where we were not reporting that? It's so bizarre to me. But but also, I, I believe that public interest has somewhat shifted the narrative. And I, my personal opinion is that when NASA got into exploring the unidentified anomalies, that their, their job to educate the American public on science and technology and the STEM aspect of it is the more transparent, unclassified um, avenue for, for informing the American public. And I believe that it has achieved a, a note of seriousness with Congress and so some of what was originally thought would be coming out in some of these UAP reports, that, that has shifted to NASA. It just, uh, that's how I think. Um, okay, can we comment on that just for one moment before we get Jenny's perspective? I wanted to comment that I've been reading about the O'Brien Committee and the Condon Colorado project committee, you know, Condon report. And of course there were, you know, multiple factors involved with those, right? People think they were biased to begin with and things like that, but I cannot help but see the parallel with that in the NASA group, because you've heard people in NASA say, we're just doing this because our boss told us to. If that doesn't sound like bias from the get, <laughs> I don't know what does. And I, I see the parallel there, and it bothers me quite a bit. They do not sound like scientists who are trying to find evidence for UFOs. They sound like scientists who are being dragged, kicking and screaming to look at this topic to me. So, I well, when Bill Nelson saw the um, classified stuff and was shown the. Um, some of the videos and, and things that we haven't seen, I, I believe that that was a reason why he encouraged NASA to take a, a part of the scientific study of this phenomenon. Yes, the Condon report, I personally think that was biased and the intros and conclusions that Condon put in did not match some of the evidence that was 
deep inside some of those files. So I believe that we live in a democracy. Well, we live in a representative republic, but the bully pulpit of the media can influence our legislature, le legislators and public servants to take a more proactive role in explaining what the heck is going on with some of these anomalies. Well, Jenny, what do you think? Do you think you're as cynical as I am about some of this at this point? I, 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 I kind of, I am. I, I feel like, I feel like our attention is being pulled away from, from these UAP reports and, and why they're not coming out. And then, you know, Hey, look what's happening over here. Yeah. Look who just announced their political running for political office. So I think we're, 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 you know, we're, we're looking at this hand, but everybody else is looking at the one that's waving. So media has a huge influence on what we're focused on right now. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful, um, about NASA's new, you know, new venture looking at all of this stuff. Um, no, I can see the shrug. She shrugged. <laughs> they were shrugging. She's still shrugging. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would hope that the site that what was it, sixteen scientists that they just recently pulled in, or the different, um, the the new the personnel. I, I would, I would hope that they'd be excited, you know. But then again. You know, it could be just that, you know, they were kind of pulled along, you know, dragging, you know, kicking and screaming. I don't want to do this. But, you know, I I would be excited if, if, if you know, they came and asked me. But, you know, I've, you know, been a fan of ufology for years and years and years. I don't know. You, you should check and see if they need any chemists out there. <laughs> Matt, I, I agree. I, I'll we'll, we'll, we'll groom, we'll, Debbie, we'll groom him right now to be our inside yeah. man. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I've said a few times, hey, if the government wants to come to me, I obviously knew more than the people at the hearing. I would have been happy to offer some help, right? It's so weird, too, because I have one of those memories that, like, I can't remember a date for anything, but I can remember things by association. So as soon as I start having a conversation with someone on this topic, I remember, like, 500 things I've read about it, you know, that mm -hmm. particular part of the topic. So... And I keep reading. I, you know, I just finished Roy Craig's book about his experiences with the Condon report. And it was so funny because he kept saying, you know, Condon was open and let us try to find the evidence and would have been happy if we found the evidence and all this stuff. But he left out some of Condon's comments where Condon basically said, well, I'm not supposed to come to that conclusion yet, you know, and I'm like, what? How did he leave that out? That was so biased, <laughs> you know, we, but science is not supposed to work that way, right? Um, we're supposed to have a theory and then a hypothesis, and then we're supposed to use the scientific method to figure it out. I'm not even sure if science can, right? I'm not sure if science can figure this out. So what do you think, Matt? I like what Dr. Z um, or I forgot I, who's the the new guy that's the, is it Strybic? I, I can't I can't remember who's 
I like Dr. C. I'll just go with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I forget the name sometimes. But one of the things that they they mentioned at the NASA press conference is that they want to see where the data takes them instead of creating a hypothesis to test. Because it, with the hypothesis, you either you come up with your initial question, you either reject or fail to reject, but you're not saying, okay, what, what is this data? Because we haven't publicly... They, the government lately, I mean, maybe back in the day they had a pre-conceived uh, idea with like the Condon report to this is what we want to tell the public. But I think now it's like, what, what is it? And we're re, reinterpreting that. And that's not technically the way science has normally been done. And... I think that I've heard some of the, the people that are part of the, the NASA's task force uh, or NASA's, what do you call them, the group, they, they, it's a cross-section of qualified individuals. And I'm hoping that it, they, this initial formulation of how do we study the phenomenon will bring those questions to um, a, a head and help us develop new ways of thinking about this Yeah, topic. well, if, if anyone's coming up with some new ways of thinking, I definitely think scientists are the wooest of them all, right? <laughs> with their theoretical <laughs> physics. <laughs> so... <laughs> What do you think, Jenny? What is your input on all of the above with NASA and the special scientists? I, what Matt said, <laughs> basically, um, you know, you, you just want to be in a room with them, you know, be a fly on the wall, listen to what, what they're really, really thinking, you know, um, it, that's that's kind of how I get to get to talk to the people involved. You know, find out who they are. You know, wh why do you think that way? Where where where's your motivation? What's your ambition? You know, what are you what are you looking for? What's your goals? And it, it feels it feels like we don't get that. You know, we don't get to see that part. We just get the surface layer. Of what they want you to what they put out there, which is, you know, here's these 16 people and they're going to go out and do some studies and take some measurements, write it down and <laughs> look at this report and, and this, this spreadsheet and some of this data and pictures and, and, you know, um, try to, try to make sense of it. Uh, but to me, the, to, to me that the, like the, who the people behind it? That's that's what I'd like to to know. Who are these people? What did they like? Sit and have sit down and talk with them at a conference and <laughs> get to know who they are and you know what are they looking for? Because most of the time, um, when you talk to these people, what they what they publicly talk about and what they publicly do is different than the person that they they truly are. 
Well, the, the nice thing is that they're NASA. So we pay, you know, for NASA taxpayers. So they mm -hmm. might actually be pretty accessible to us if the right people want to ask questions. I mean, the, NASA in general has always been pretty good about being public. Mm -hmm. And not, not, not being classified or holding things, you know, close to chest either. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing air quotes because uh -huh. you know, we've heard some stories about some things they might be airbrushing, but, you know. Right. <laughs> oh, oh they, they, they have. Um, with the Columbia Space Shuttle, like, it's it's been documented that whenever the tiles came off of the first space shuttle, there were keyhole satellites um, that they needed that the DOD and the National Reconnaissance Office needed to take pictures of the space shuttle. And it was classified. It was hush-hush, but it was prepared for. And they, they've prepared for a, a lot of contingencies. And it wasn't disclosed because it was part of national security. So there, there is that. There's that national security excuse again. Like, yeah, I respect national security, right? I get even why the, the shapes were redacted. Like a lot of people don't, but I get it. Like mm -hmm. they don't, they don't want to say, you know, what objects they were seeing because they probably knew, you know, some of them were something else, the foreign adversary or something like that. Right. They didn't want to tip people off on our tech and what shapes we have flying around either. I get it, but it's not like we want them to expose our tech. That's not what we've been asking the government to do. Like, yes, there's some people who come into this for tech. Some people immediately say, I want, you know, all of that free energy and all that stuff. By the way, I just heard Trump say yesterday that we're begging other countries for energy now. So if we had that tech, I don't, that seems odd to me that we would be begging other countries for energy, right? So, mm -hmm. but that's not what we're asking the government for. We just want them to say, not only are UFOs real, but this is what we know. We want transparency. What is well, it you wanted to say, Matt? The the geometry, um, part of the geometry could, there's physical reasons that the government not might not want to tip adversaries about it because that could be part of the physics whether it's resonance or um but there there was a document from the soviet union that had a statistical analysis of some of the the geometries and the shapes so the soviet union was has discussed those shapes and provided statistics on what they have seen so yeah there there is data on that out there i mean it's the whole shape thing's a little silly on that level anyway because i mean i i think i have a poster sitting over here that i bought you know and no one who's listening can hear or i'm sorry see this but like it, it's in here somewhere just a poster that i have on canvas that's all the kinds of different ufo shapes that i got just because it was cool so I'm just saying, like, we all can do geometry on the the shapes, right? That's not that's not difficult. We know it's like pretty much any shape. Uh, Rob Swadek was talking about dominoes, <laughs> like domino shapes. 
flat rectangular shapes that were seen by MUFON, uh, you know, or in a report given to MUFON. So, yeah, the shape part on that level, I'm like, yeah, we could all do that. <laughs> you know, that yeah, we don't need. I, I think that their reasoning behind doing that was, you know, say, hey, most, most experiencers see the domino shape. You know, Russia could say, oh, let's make some domino shaped drones. They'll think they're UFOs. We could just fly right under the radar. I, I get that part. But at the same time, Russian people are probably just as curious what's going on as we are. We're not, I, I have a hard time believing that we're the only nation in the world that's, that's curious about the phenomenon and what's happening. And that we're the only ones that have scientists being thrown at it, you know. We are far from the only ones. There Absolutely. are definitely FOIAs. For anyone who wants to look about Russia's involvement and China's involvement and their involvement together mm -hmm. on this topic. In fa fact, Red Panda Koala did a documentary about a conference in China that invited Americans to come over and talk about UFOs. Because China promotes the talk of UFOs because it's considered science there. Not religion science and i do also this just like brings up a whole nother thing i just have to keep saying this it is not all cultures that view this as a weird woo thing mm -hmm. that's a very specific branch of the united states culture mm -hmm. not all of them <laughs> so I, I just have to bring that up again. It's just like, so yeah, they're not only got scientists on it, but they've got people who believe significantly more so than some of the people in the United States. And most Brazilians, most South American countries, it's like, right. what? Oh, you don't talk about UFOs? You, you People think you're crazy. Well, it's, it's just an everyday thing for them. You know, it's, it's not, it, it, you're right. We're the only culture. The only nation that views it and stigmatizes it as uh, close to being mentally ill or having delusions or hallucinations or there's something wrong with you if you believe in this or you know yeah yeah there's a, it's a it's worth pointing out that there's like a a weird flip-flopping that comes with that right so the skeptics say oh well that's just a you know weird weather inversion that you're looking at right so they're admitting it's something you're actually seeing they're saying it's not a ufo but they're admitting it's something you're actually seeing but then if you say you see it oh you must be crazy oh it's something mm -hmm. you're actually seeing but if you see it you're crazy which one is it <laughs> <laughs> so so matt what do you what do you have to say about all that <laughs> well uh, if I, I've seen them, my my dad, I was with my dad. I mean, when you start seeing pyramid, uh, not pyramid, but at least, well, it was they were black equal lateral triangles, like that were spinning on their axes. Well, not spinning, but um, moving. Like they 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 could move on their axis and uh, move sideways. 
and just hover and made a weird sound. And I witnessed it with uh, multiple people. Uh, yeah, the one where it was at 1996, uh, Brazil, that was the one that jumped out. Was it Pol Polastis? Oh, no, it's that it was more, it was more, that's more isosceles. It was, it was more of a, um, just more of a, straight equilateral equilangular yeah. triangular and uh but when when i had multiple people see it and these didn't have any lights on it which is a safety hazard near george bush intercontinental airport or it was iah um so i was i wasn't crazy i we saw something i don't know what it was but yeah but i didn't really tell people i didn't advertise it because you feel like you you can't talk about it you know and it's so sad because you i hate to say this but i have heard a lot of people talk about the triangle right specifically and one of those people was one of my first interviews who is a space.com writer you've probably seen some of his articles he talks about ufos he saw a triangle. If you guys want to go back to one of the first Deb's Data Dojo interviews, he's in there, Leonard David, talking about triangle that he saw. So, um, yeah, I just, it's unfortunate. Why are we oppressing the ability to have that conversation, right? Like, that's strange. Like, you can't say there's something we're saying, but you're crazy if you say it. <laughs> like, what? It's so I don't know. It's such a strange, bizarre thing that we do to people. Yeah, there's there's too many experiencers out there. There's too many correlation and in, in store, you know, uh, too many similarities and stories that between people that have no connection, you know, and um, it's you know whatever it is, maybe it, you mass hallucination of of a whole entire country. You know, tell us that's what it is. You know, or if it's, you know, collective unconscious archetypes that have, you know, come forward from, you know, millennia of lore and myth and culture and, 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 you know, history, then, then that's what it is. But to, to stigmatize people, to call them crazy or, or nutty or, uh, you know, don't talk to her. She talks about UFOs. That's all she talks about, you know, or that to me, that, it sounds like that's, you know, when you, when you look at where did it start to be stigmatized? Where, what point in history was it stigmatized? Was it during the Condon reports? Was it after the first sighting by, um, what's his name over uh, Mount Rainier with the flying saucers? Kenneth Arnold. Kenneth Arnold. <laughs> Robertson panel. That, that. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where did it start to become a, where did it start to become a stigma? Where did it become, you know, oh, the, you know, the crazy old vet who sees UFOs or, you know, at one point in time, you know, it, that that's that's to me when I'm when I'm researching all this, it seems like it starts with, you know, the Condon reports. I don't see that it's um, that stigmatized before that. 
Well, let's let's talk about the thing that gets really stigmatized. It's not even so much the UFO. It's the talking about the entities associated with UFOs. So let's start, because I was just thinking about this, and since we're in the dojo, let's go through a little information tunnel here for just a moment. Back in history, we saw people coming from the sky, and we called them either creators or assistants to the creators. That is across almost every culture coming from the sky. They were creators or assistants to the creators, including in the Bible, right? We've got the angels and God, right? Then that was kind of accepted as, okay, everyone's allowed to believe that, you know, there was tons of religions that branched off with that. The religious thing was fine. Okay. Mm Then we got into this next phase where people are like, you know what? I think there might be gray aliens and tall whites and um, all that. And then some people say they're human looking. So they're like aliens (laughs) to people. It's a term that people like to use. And then now we went into the next phase. The current phase is there might be robots they might be bio robots they might be uh interdimensional that's what phase we're in now right so it's changed it's morphed right over the years that's the little information tunnel if you do the research starts with religious stuff becomes aliens is now bio robots and interdimensional beings so this is part of human belief right it's all pretty much the same story with different names. Like, what is the the issue? What is the problem? (laughs) Why are we having this problem? (laughs) Like it's, it's not really different from the original stories, Mm -hmm. but it's just, the name has changed the terminology, the maybe trying to add a technological element to what was once considered religious. So, so what do you think, Matt? Throw in your two cents. Well, our religions um, are, if you read Peter Lavenda's Gods, they, there is a common motif and certain stories that are um, shown in different parts of the world that are very common. And, but like Dr. Prasolka in one of her classes, or um, she pointed out that the you can't just go with like the way that the, the, they're drawn on some art in a certain culture. You have to incorporate the narrative, the mm-hmm. story, and. The story does is part of whatever the entities or uh, gods or aliens or that that, that that all has to be factored in to what's going on. So if nowadays the way we filter information, Back in the early days of, of religions that have been recorded, they didn't know about cyber 
artificial intelligence, their their minds saw it a certain way, and that's the way they they crafted their narratives. And mm -hmm. if I saw a, like the the Trinity case, um, they, the, these kids saw something, but the story was was totally part of the investigation and Jacques Fillet, he uh, he tried to cap in Paola Harris, they, they tried to capture the story. Now, it's really interesting because Dr. Prasolko has also really made it pretty clear that the narratives that are out there are far more interesting sometimes mm -hmm. than people mm -hmm. like she's and mm -hmm. sometimes slightly hidden from the public. They don't want everyone to know everything. Um, mm -hmm. They don't really want them to know how many remote viewers, for instance, she uncovered in her research. Although maybe her next book will tell us, right? <laughs> so so um, what do you think, Jenny? Uh, I, I'm going with Diane on this. I think most of the, the stories are, are redacted. You know, they're, they're, they're an abbreviated version of what happened, you know, when the whole picture tells a much bigger story. You know, um, uh, what's the one that she researched in the Vatican? St. Francis of Assisi? Was that the one? That was that, one of them. One of them. Teresa of Avila? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the stigmata, mm -hmm. for, for instance. You know, what we what, what was perceived as one thing could have very easily been. Um, uh, you, you know, when I when I think of the stigmata on the hands, I think of somebody who touched something electrified because that's how the electrical currents go through you. They would come out your feet. You know, electricians work, you know, modern day. They'll tell you that if it comes in one, one part of your body has to exit somewhere. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the, the stories are, those are, those are perception. You know, what, what people perceive and what happens, um, you know, what's going on. Um, the movie Nope comes to mind, you know, with the, all the keys and the metal falling from the sky. You know, when you first see it at the beginning of the movie, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But towards the end of the movie, it makes sense where the keys and all the metal were coming from. Right. You know, well, well, I'll tell you, I haven't but, watched it, but I do know what it's about. But if you but if you. But if you, but if that's the only part of the story that you told, or you left that part out, it then the whole story doesn't make sense. You know that 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 you know, where does that even fall into place? And when you put that in the story, that now it's oh okay, well that makes sense. You know now now you know where that come from. But at first it's this unbelievable thing, and at the end it's like okay, I get it now. But. Um, what were we talking about before? <laughs> just, just, just how the the human brain has adapted to whatever's going on over and over and over, and trying mm -hmm. to understand it, right? Essentially, is what we're finding out. And I, it's worth saying that a lot of people, when they see a UFO, they don't go, "That's a UFO." They go, "That's a strange plane," right? Mm -hmm. And then they walk away and move on with their life. They, their brain will actually try to associate it with something that they understand first. And that's why I've said to people, if you're trying to see the paranormal, you have to let go of those expectations, also known as schemas, 
You mm -hmm. have to let it go and try to open up a little bit more because your brain will try to make it something it will understand first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's that's only just the part of the brain that you can register because there's so much the brain's picking up that you don't register on a day to day. So a lot of people will say, well, this thing crashed. It was definitely some kind of plane that crashed in my yard. It looked like a saucer, maybe, but it was a plane, <laughs> you know, something like that will be said. Like a lot of people don't want to believe it's a UFO. And I think a lot of times what happens is. Um, like an instance of, of, you know, trauma or traumatic experience, like the first, the first, you know, few hours or the first few days, you don't even know what's happened. Your body's, your, your brain's kind of in a shutdown mode where it's just processing all of the information. And then weeks later, little tiny pieces come forward. Like, oh yeah, I remember this now, you know, and then you're, you're analyzing that little part. And then, you know, the next day, another little piece comes forward and then you're analyzing that part. So I think that um, you don't really get the full picture until till much later, not initially. You know, a lot of people say, well, why didn't you pull your phone out and take a picture of it? I was in awe. I couldn't. I, I couldn't reach from my phone fast enough. Your brain's not even processing. It's not even saying oh, stop looking at the UFO and pull your pick, your phone. I can't even open, <laughs> yeah. I can't even open my phone fast enough to take a picture of something that I want to take a picture. Oh, my dog's being really cute. Let me grab a picture. I can't even open it fast enough. <laughs> yeah, there's also a lot of things that happen when people try to take pictures of UFOs. A lot of people get that blur around the UFO mm -hmm. that people who study the nuts and bolts say is probably some kind of plasma field, some kind of propulsion related uh, bubble, so to speak. I've heard scientists talk about that a bit too. They think that these things pop in and out and that causes that blurry bubble. So of mm -hmm. course, everyone's like, every UFO picture is blurry. I think we're not going to get a UFO picture that's blurry if the UFO is sitting on the ground and not moving. And then, of course, no one's going to believe it because it won't be in the sky. <laughs> it'll, it'll look like CGI or you built it out of in your garage. I think we're actually entering a somewhat scary phase where humanity's technology is very much catching up. Um, I just recently tweeted, I don't know if you guys saw this, um, there was an experiment that was done where humans were communicating with each other brain to brain. Someone tweeted it out from, a, uh, I think it was a scientist who had tweeted initially. And um, yes, UFO Twitter gets some interesting information and shares it with each other. I got added for that one. But uh, yeah, so they're doing a brain to brain interfacing now, you know. So they, they have, you can literally buy yourself your own saucer. It's okay. You can fly one now. You strap it to your back. It's basically a giant drone, right? We have robots that can fly you around. And other countries are making taxis, right, that do that. We're getting really close to what we thought was really bizarre UFO technology now. So we're getting to a place where... The drone and the UFO may not be discernible from each other. It may be really difficult in the future for us to figure out. We might be past the it's CGI. It might just be that is a giant UFO drone, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so what do you think, Matt? 
the uh, like Arthur C. Clarke would say, any advanced technology is indistinguishable by magic from magic by primitive minds. Or I think it was their law or whatever. Uh, the, the things that I mean, I'm one of those futurist people. I'm all in a wired magazine and all the, mm -hmm. the, the new technology. So, yes, whenever you've got brain computer interfaces that you could have a, a EEG or um, some type of implant for, to be able to control. Like they, they, there was somebody that uh, I think it was DARPA stuff that they, so they had – uh, brain implant that in an individual who was controlling three planes with their mind in a simulator. So if, if the human mind is capable of piloting three different aircraft or drones or at the same time, that, that that's remarkable. And the artificial telepathy, um, you know, using uh, EEGs and transcranial magnetic stimulation to induce the same type of uh, conscious state of consciousness from one individual to the next. That was part of the uh, what the Robert M Bob Monroe's gateway process. If you look at the um, patent, that was. That was part of his patent. Mm -hmm. So, and, yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of people talk about Neuralink, but a lot of people don't realize that there's another company that has already put um, something like Neuralink, but actually less complicated into someone's brain. There's a there's human trials already, you know. So, and that that DARPA experiment you mentioned, there's numerous universities that are doing that same work. Um, that they're literally working on the human brain moving objects. Um, they're trying to do it with uh, little tiny drones, you know, not even just... Uh, they have conversations to erase them with the mind. Right. right. I actually bought a toy like 10 years ago that you put the headband on your head and it helps you um, try to move a ball and like something, some brainwave activity like the toy was supposed to respond to that right so so what do you think jenny do you think all this tech is going to make it really hard for us to get to the bottom of the ufos i think it'll bring us closer to the answers to be honest i think we'll i think we'll be able to readily accept the next level of of uh the extraordinary that makes sense, you know. So we'll be, we'll, our brains will already be malleable, you know, to these extraordinary things that we can do now. To then it won't be so far fetched, you know. I, yeah. I'm looking forward to the day in our future. It's like UFOs, psh, we figured it out. It was so yesterday. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was thinking about Star Wars, you know, even Star Trek, and a lot of these sci-fi movies back in the day that they showed like people talking to each other through pictures on a wall right you know like oh that's so weird right and then mm -hmm. all of that stuff happens everything in sci-fi eventually happens so like the 
Star Trek little walkie-talkie like things or cell phones nowadays. Cell phones. The, yep. And then we do FaceTime. Like, duh, of course we can FaceTime. You know, so <laughs> it's just like all that stuff used to be like, that's going to be amazing. And now you're right. We're just like, eh, yeah. I, I had an interesting conversation about that with my mom. I said, mom, did you ever think that when you were a little girl that you would be sitting and holding a phone and touching it with your finger and she said, you know, I think about that. And now it's, she said, it is kind of, it's almost, it's almost like magical. Like you couldn't even, can, you couldn't even fathom that at that time. It reminds, it reminds me of Brad Paisley's Welcome to the Future. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, what, what's going to be, what's going to be, you know, our tech when, you know, we're my mom's age, you know, um, I kind of think it's going to, I think we're going to have little implants right here and we'll be able to just, you know, touch our finger, <laughs> swipe. <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll see people sitting on the, on the bus or in public swiping through pictures, clicking, <laughs> uh, yeah, in the air. All those things we imagine come to pass, right? Mm -hmm. I think the only thing about this topic that we can't necessarily control in that sense is what these entities might be like right so a lot of people are saying maybe we're projecting what we think they look like or maybe there's some social contagion that puts them to be certain types right um like the nordic thing you know like maybe everyone's like oh i've heard of that so that's must have been what it looked like we don't know what exactly is going on there but Really good scientists have made the point that if there's life on other planets, it may be very different from what we understand. Mm -hmm. And I think our brains are just not capable of going past a humanoid looking being and accepting that as a possibility. Unless, of course, we've put it in a movie already. Mm -hmm. you, you know, one of the I'm going to I'm going to use an episode for an example um, the new one, the Star Trek Discovery episodes. You guys seen that one yet? That one's fascinating. The newest one with um, uh, I, can't, I can't think of her name. The the actress. Uh, but in but in one of the latter episodes, they they end up coming across uh, a huge giant species that don't even communicate. They communicate through chemicals and pheromones and hormones and that's how they communicate and then these these pheromones and hormones and, and chemicals they affect human emotions so they speak with emotions and then how much of one hormone is attached to this pheromone it could, means a whole totally different thing if you lessen it or add more to it and that's just i mean if you really think about that that's such a alien way for us to communicate with each other you know yes, we, I mean, we use sound and language and ideas and we convey through sounds and, and frequencies that are made with our mouths and you know language could be a technology in on its own we, language probably didn't even exist you know tens of thousands of years ago what if we did communicate with each other through telepathy or pheromones and hormones and you know they say bigfoot still does guys bigfoot still does okay 
Okay. Um, Matt, did you say have something you wanted to add to that? If I feel like you chimed in there for a sec. Oh, I just was agreeing with her. Like if you look at histamine uh, communication, I mean, if mm -hmm. you, the immunological body response, sometimes, you know, if what if we encounter a, a certain memory that is part of that, you go to a place and you have that immune response. So whenever you encounter something again, it triggers something in the your your physiological system that wait it reminds you of something or uh you 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 just have a memory that something comes up well what if you have um and something uh some of these alleged species like marshina or something that you know they're there causes a reaction in the person that the, the, the person that doesn't, isn't consciously aware of, but their, their, their body is triggered somehow to interpret that stimuli a certain way. Well, it's interesting. Um, thinking of that, thinking about how culturally humans actually already don't communicate all the same way mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so like for instance america it's very much expected that you are looking at the person that you're talking to right in other mm -hmm. cultures if you do that that's offensive um in america you're supposed to give a person about an arm's length of distance if you do that in another culture and they come up and they're trying to say hello to you they're trying to kiss you on the cheek and stuff and you're like Ugh. they're like oh you're so rude <laughs> You know, so so even in, in humanity, like we don't all communicate the same way. But I did I did spend some time looking at a book called Sapiens, and I will go back to it again because I am fascinated by our anthropology, our our evolution. And it was kind of touched on that the evolution with language probably is why we ended up on top, so to speak. Um, because we were able to say there's a lion over there on the hill, right? Instead of just, you know, making warning noises. And, you know, we were, yeah, we were able to coordinate. We were able to uh, come up with more complicated projects together. But I imagine if you look at, you know, chimps and everything, you can see bonobos. They use other forms of uh, social manipulation and a lot of body language to communicate things and they didn't quite make that evolutionary leap uh, it, it's effective it still works they still survive but you know they're not on the top of the well we may not be but we're supposedly on the top of the food chain because of our <laughs> our ability to process yeah. language yeah right and then writing. Oh my gosh, we definitely did not have concrete writing for a while either. And now that we do, we at least have some idea of some of our history. I wish we could have gotten more because there's so many questions, right? All these civilizations that just went poof. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that just, you know, like the technology that we were developing. Like you hear about batteries and stuff that we find, ancient batteries. And we knew stuff. And then it just went poof. We just lost it, like because we didn't have all the writing in place yet. Mm -hmm. It's pretty what sad. Do you, what do you guys think of uh, Graham's new series? 
Have you guys watched any of it? No? Mm -hmm. No? Really? I, really? No. I, I'm, I'm really, okay, first of all, I'm really into the books right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and <clears throat> for those who are not aware, not only do I have children, but I am working full time. So I barely have time. Like I'm, I'm doing, you know, a project, the UAP Medical Coalition, when I have free time right now, I don't even have time to update my webpage. So TV, if I go to it, it's going to be either like extreme junk TV, like uh, that love is blind or something. Like oh, my, my stuff is mind numbing, right? Just to, right. Just exactly. Something very <laughs> mind numbing or K-dramas because I love K-dramas. <laughs> I'm into period uh, English shows. <laughs> British. Yeah. Did did you watch the? No, uh, well, okay, I'll ask you another time. Anywho, um, there's there's a Sherlock Holmes spinoff that was really fun. Okay, um, so I I think since we're almost at an hour and a half, we'll be wrapping up shortly. I wanted you guys to just get a moment to just express whatever you felt like you wanted to express to listeners. Um, anything that you feel like is something you think someone who's trying to learn about this topic should know, maybe might be a good thing to let out um since this is the dojo where we're trying to educate people on this topic so um mattis what is something you want to educate listeners about uh, there's so much i'm, I'm i love in ideas i love researching new ideas and but if i was gonna educate someone Believe nothing what you hear and only half of what you see. You know, some of the data out there is got to use your mind. You got to use your brain and really dig deep to try to find the truth in some of these, this information. Now, if, if you just believe everything that's put out on UFO Twitter, you're going to, uh, hey, if it's your belief system, I'm not, I'm one of those, a religion, I don't ever want to hurt someone's beliefs. If, if you believe it and you're trying to benefit others and you're a good person and you're not hurting anyone, it doesn't matter. No one, who cares? I mean, it, if we're trying to figure out what the truth of all this stuff is, we all have to look into it and really um, vet the data. So just don't worry what people think, as fine Richard Feynman once said. Yeah, and I will say, you know, we talked, uh, Jenny, Jenny, you said earlier something about, like, there's lots of different levels of education and intellect but there are really smart people interested in this topic. So it definitely, you're going to vet the data. You're going to put your thinking cap on, but remember that this is not necessarily, this isn't a big group of dumb people going, Oh, I wish there were aliens. You know, this is people who are really serious on this topic, looking oh. at, looking at every little Avenue, um, I had actually wanted us to get to talk about misinformation a little more. It was one of the topics I was going to bring up because we are sometimes guinea pigs for that. Uh, but I think, it, 
Yeah, yeah. We, we might. We, we'll definitely have to do that. Maybe when that report comes out, we'll get a whole big <laughs> panel like we were, you know, supposed to talk about that report. But anywho, um, I I just think that uh, indeed, keep those thinking caps on. If you're coming in thinking everyone's dumb, you're already not in the right place because mm-hmm. this is because mm-hmm. people have been doing serious work. I think um, Eric Weinstein just said something about that. He realized, oh my gosh, these are not dumb people. <laughs> these people have been doing some serious work. Okay, mm-hmm. so Jenny, what is something you want to educate listeners about? You know, I think for uh, I, I think for someone new coming in, try uh, for instance, go, go to a conference, go to a conference and, and sit down with some of these people. Um, I would, I really enjoyed the UFO Congress. I would say that probably um, 30% of the people there were, were, you know, 40s and younger. I didn't see a whole lot of really young people there at all. It's mostly older people have been, you know, doing ufology and research for years and years and years. But the sad part is they're not going to be around forever. And they have a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of knowledge. And they will, they'll talk to you. They'll sit down and talk to you about anything and everything. Um, uh, Surround yourself with friends like Matt. (laughs) Thank you, Jenny. (laughs) Matt's one of the smartest people I know. Um, And, you know, he... Sometimes he has trouble dumbing it down for, you know, the kindergartners in the room. (laughs) Um, I'm a self-proclaimed Colonel O'Neill, you know, Colonel O'Neill from the Stargate series. He was the only one in the group that didn't have an education or a degree in anything. And sometimes the simplest stuff is the best answer. So, you know, and, and when you, when you, when you, when you dumb subjects down to, you know, their their base parts um sometimes people can come up with you know connections that you never would have thought about um and you know study everything study all the different subjects study all aspects of it you know read books on um on the occult and you know i i recently got into reading about um alistair crowley only because i'm fascinated with how these people work, how their brains work, and how did they get to that point where, you know, from Aleister Crowley to Jack Parsons to rockets. <laughs> that, to me, that's fascinating. You know, what, what, where's the, you know, what, what are the steps that were taken to get there and how did they, they think that? But I think mostly just being malleable in your, in your, in your thinking and in your beliefs. Don't be mm-hmm. so, don't hold your sacred convictions so close, you know, let, um, be able to, um, go through, uh, I forget the word. My, my remember berries don't work sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) The older you get, the less brain cells. So the very few ones I have left are just all full of UFO knowledge and lore and information. (laughs) Right. Well, you know what, then you're one of those people who needs to make sure you share it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Here I am talking about, hey, somebody write all this stuff down. <laughs> I, I do think I will say it's worth noting that it is one of the things that is frustrating to me as a researcher. These people who have siloed the information aren't just as bad as the government with mm-hmm. siloing the information. Yeah. 
they want to write their book, but and they say I had this FOIA, but they don't digitize it, they don't share it, they have it mm-hmm. in a in a box that maybe in thirty years someone may not throw out. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's upsetting. Well, I, and I think some of those people have a real fear of some of these, you know, men in black programs too. You know, and I've said out loud, I I welcome a visit. I, I, I tell my husband all the time, if you ever see a big black suburban park in there, offer him to come in. You want some shots of tequila? How about some coffee? You know, I'd be so excited. Like, what park was I right about? What was it? What is it? You know, <laughs> I wouldn't be worried. I would just I would just feel vindicated that I was right about something, that I was on to something and what I, you know, what part was it? You know, Um I mean, I've heard stories that people have been threatened, you know, their lives and, and, you know, but honestly and truly, I just don't think that these government programs have the money to go after people like they think that they, they, that they would, you know? So uh, my, you know, why would you be afraid of, of knowing the truth, you know, unless you're just out there blatantly selling secrets or, you know, things that you really shouldn't be, but. I don't think that this whole getting to the bottom of the truth, I don't think that there's, that shouldn't be anything that you should be afraid of, honestly and truly. I'll be honest. I've talked to a lot of people, some of them former CIA, some of them former, uh, you know, directors of ATIP, you know, things like that. And things, you know, and I have never been approached by a government person saying don't tell talk about that you know mm-hmm. actually the closest i got was my own father telling me not to talk about it because he was worried about my career yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> and and he's former dia so that that was the closest but he doesn't know the extent of what i'm doing he has no idea so yeah i, I guess my my point is like I, I do think that if anyone were to be paranoid it probably would be someone who just for fun will call people like john ramirez you know but i don't worry at all <laughs> i'll be like i want to talk to john i miss him you know so but i do do i feel like my phone is tapped no i do not do i feel like someone's going to come knock on my door no i just don't think that i'm that interesting to them uh, so yeah yeah I, I don't i'm i'm not that interesting either i mean i'm, I'm just open i'm just an open yeah person. so it's like I know that I haven't like been like investigating. Oh, well, this is I'm like stuff that I know is common knowledge, and people mm-hmm. that are smarter than me would know. No, I, I I will say this that we have had a number of peculiar deaths. We've also had some very tragic happenings, but I think that in part one of the aspects of this that that causes that has been the lack of support for Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. people coming out and try to talk about this so i was reading again about mcdonald and what happened with him um you know he was the scientist that was like pushing for hearings pushing for scientists to work on the ufo topic had a tremendous amount of research was very 
like nosy about things that he shouldn't have known about but found out about um really put a lot of heart into this and then you know things just went sideways for him like he just his soul dropped out and he shot himself a couple times actually um successfully ending his life it's super tragic but was it the men in black no it was a lack of support from society and that's worse uh -huh. yeah me. people not believing you and being there to to support you and um you know that yeah i can get that that's really hard yeah you know, I, I think for for a lot of, it's the trauma the trauma and then support from the trauma like nobody you can't talk to anybody because you know, I, I'm alone in this. I have to carry this whole weight along. When I'm glad to have a group of people that I can lean on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, for me to be like, yeah, I've heard about triangles a ton of times. Like that's that only happens in the UFO community, right? Anywhere yeah. else, they'd be like, what? Are you okay? What were you drinking? You know, like the. <laughs> but but we're like, yeah, another triangle, another strange triangle flying sideways over our heads, whatever. You know, like for me, I've seen a couple UFOs, and I'm just like, eh. <laughs> you know, just it's a UFO. You know, I mean, it's. I think I've had a freakier experience just standing near a haunted house than I had with that UFO. I'm just like, eh, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. But I mean, I, I say those things and God knows what's going to happen one night. I'm going to be freaking out because something's going to be in my room. But <laughs> but we'll see. But in the meantime, I will say that we at least have each other's backs. Right. So mm -hmm. I'd rather be with a with a group that can have these conversations with me and just be open to all of aspects of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I just think it's fun. Let's just like boil it down to it is fun. Like it is so much fun. If, if you have that support, if you have some help for the trauma and you get past it, it's just, just so many fun things to look at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of theories and stories that you can share. The conversations get so deep, you know, right. And we're not a cult. <laughs> well, no, um, that we're definitely cults do not allow for so many different opinions. Uh, opinions you, yes, exactly. And we don't have any charismatic leaders. Sorry. No, no statues. <laughs> <no> <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just offended probably 10 people who thought they were charismatic, I think. But uh, I'm just like, I'm thinking of all the people who are like, I'm a great charismatic leader and i'm like no i'm just you haven't won me over so <laughs> i i don't think i'm that good at following maybe but i don't know but yeah so can you please tell people where they can find you matt for, and then jenny matt monroe 1980 on twitter it, that's mainly where i post yeah me too Jenny underscore Gomberg, G-O-M-B-E-R-G -E on Twitter. That's me. Not trying to hide. <laughs> That's my <Right>. real name. <laughs> and uh, in the future, we will definitely have another panel with the uh, chat group. <laughs> name not to be uh, relayed to the world. Um, the chat group will be back again. We'll do another panel, hopefully with the UFO report in tow. 
And I wanted to say thank you to all who are listening. I know, you know, just again, the head of dojos, just almost like a little chit chat conversation over coffee sometimes, but Mm -hmm. we do try to give you some information. So I hope you found something beneficial as you listened with us today. Um, Again, this is Deb with Deb's at a dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. If you need to find me, I'm at study of UAPs. I'm at ufoconnector.com. I'm working with the UAP Medical Coalition. And of course, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube with Calling All Beings. I'm all over the place. I can never remember the whole list. I'm so bad at that. Everyone take care and have a wonderful day.